When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to Argyle Chat. Joining me, Stuart James, today is podcast regular Jack Ball. Hi, Jack. Hi, Stuart. Been a long time since we've both done this uh, together. Yeah, absolutely. Few weeks. Yeah, no Chris today. He's uh, enjoying the sunshine. Yeah, it's not been a bad week to have off. It's been a lot worse, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll be enjoying some time off, that's for sure. Right, before we go straight into the podcast, uh, just a reminder that we have a new Facebook page dedicated to our podcast. Just search for the Argyle Chat podcast in Facebook and you will find us. So uh, give us a follow on there and send us any questions and, uh, you know, we'll keep you updated with what's going on. Um, Moving on then, Jack, you were flying solo up at Bradford on Saturday, a nil-nil draw. Um, Point gained or two dropped? Well, I said last week when I was in doing the podcast with Chris that I felt coming off the back of a win against Peterborough and then a draw against Portsmouth, two games where you might have perhaps thought Argyle might have struggled to get anything from. If Argyle didn't get all three points against Bradford, it would have been some points dropped because then it's all about ways, the good achievements of yeah. the previous two games. And I still think there is some, some truth to that. I think perhaps, you know, when you look at it on paper, that's a game that Argyle should be winning even away from home because of Bradford's struggles. But a nil draw isn't the worst result in the world. It's a clean sheet. Um, it keeps our goals form in 2019 going just the one defeat against Wickham um, which uh, everyone will know by now was unique circumstances often can be the case against Wickham Mm. with all their time wasting tactics so I I think there's an argument to say that it is two points dropped because of the situation but there's a positive way to look at it as well well I think when you look at it Bradford will probably come away from that being the more disappointed of the two wouldn't they because they probably look at it and think it's a game that they really need to win to close the gap on our goal Argyle, they think if they don't lose the game, it maintains a five-point gap between them and Bradford. So yeah, yeah, Argyle def- are probably and also Bradford happy were at home, and it goes to show how far sort of Argyle have come. Really, that they can go away to a ground like Valley Parade and be thinking they should be coming away with all three points. You know, Bradford have got some very good players yeah. on paper, and again, we know we know the game's not played on paper, but mm. you know, you, you look at some of the players like Owen Owen Doyle. Argyle tried to sign him in the past. You know, they've got some very good players, and Argyle really shouldn't be able to compete with teams like that with the budget that they've got and with some of the players that they've got who aren't some big names you know some of these players have big names and they should on paper they shouldn't be competing with them like Portsmouth again where, where, where I got, got, got points so yeah I, I think that's a fair point and I think we'll talk more about Rochdale obviously a bit later on but I think the result against Rochdale will have a big impact on whether it was two points dropped to Bradford as well yeah well, it's be interesting for from Rochdale's point of view as well because they played last night of yeah. course and um I mean, they they early goal one nil up. I think they were two one up as well, and ended up losing four three to a late goal at was home to Wimbledon. Yeah, no, there was a stoppage time winner penalty. So I think Wimbledon so. Pick up some results well, exactly, it's so tight down at the bottom of uh, of League One right now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a clean sheet for Argyle, though. Three of the five they have had this season have come since the turn of the year. It seems like Derek's got that back four settled. He knows what his first choice pairing is, and there's that interesting stat going around today about Canavan and Edwards together, isn't there? Yeah. Well, again, I spoke to Carl Leverin after the game against Bradford on Saturday um, 
and I spoke to him about you know his relationship with the two centre backs and their relationship together because Leverum was fantastic and again we'll talk about him again again in a bit. But the one time he was beaten in the game in the ninety second ninety third minute, almost the last kick of the game, um, and now kind of was there to clear it away from goal and clear it away for a corner, which would have been a definite goal. Um, so the relationship there is starting to build, um, and there's no surprise that the clean sheets have started to have started to come. You know, I've I've been quite critical in the past of Matt Macy on this podcast. I I'm surprised at how uh, what's the word? Not inept, just that's that'd be harsh, but how lacking some of the qualities that I think he should have having been on the books of Arsenal for so long yeah. like communication for example I don't think you know you have to be the world's best goalkeeper to be able to communicate I think that is is a must for any goalkeeper um, and Leverin is much better at that and I think the two defenders are thriving they're building a relationship Adams has spoken about wanting to build a, a solid centre-back pairing ever since the start of the season I know any club any manager will say they want a solid back four back five if you include the goalkeeper yeah. Um, and Argo really just have to try and work out how to get him more settled from an earlier stage. You can't be, I, I know injuries come into play, I, I, I get that, but you can't really be relying on that kicking in in January every year. You have to try and start mm. that sooner. And, and that's what he'll need to do for next season. Well, I was going to say, it'd be interesting to see what happens because he seems to have two players there in Canavan and Edwards who are likely to be at Argo next season. Yeah. The goalkeeper, I think, remains a question mark over there. Are they going to get another permanent goalkeeper or I mean, I've maybe still, give Michael Cooper that's something the thing, like I've, that chance? I've still, and I said this at the start of the season, the fact that he had tried to loan in Harry Burgoyne as yeah. his main keeper this year, and then obviously Burgoyne got injured, he loaned in Matt Macy. For me, that indicates that maybe there's a chance that Michael Cooper could be first choice next season. Although, if Carl Leveron continues to impress this season, yeah. maybe he'll be given another one-year deal and he might be first choice and Cooper will be back up. Yeah. ready to jump in if Cole Everett slips up. So that could be the situation. The one um, thing I'd say with that, I think the one thing holding Cooper back, and we know that Adams tried to get him out on loan in January and yeah. obviously there weren't any takers. I think that's just all his development perhaps. You know, I think he needs to be going out and he, he needs to go out and play men's football and get some experience. Well, I'll speak to um, Derek on Thursday morning and I'll ask him about Michael Cooper because he wasn't part of the Central League team which I was quite surprised by. Matt Macy played and it was another youngster on the bench, not, not, not Michael Cooper, mm. so I might ask him whether he's picked up an injury or something about that. But yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's hard for a young goalkeeper to go out on loan. I think when you get to League One, trying to go out on loan to a National League team because you've only got one or two keepers, the budgets yeah. aren't the biggest in the National League and quite rightly, I think, maybe there are a few exceptions, but Derek Adams doesn't want him to go and, uh, go and play National League South because he doesn't think the level's high enough and I don't think that's unreasonable. Mm. Um, but in my mind, and I'm not a football manager, so you know, Derek Adams will probably disagree with me, but I think sometimes you just have to throw players in. I think you have to give them a chance. You know, at the end of the day, our goal this season, I throw Matt Macy, and I don't think he's been good enough. So what's the worst that could happen? Are our goal going to suddenly concede 10 goals a game with Cooper plays? No, they're not. So for me, it comes to a point where if there's only so long you can go, yeah, no, we, 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 pray, we recommend him highly, we think he's going to be a great player in the game. There's only so long you can say that before giving him a good run of games in the first team, in yeah. my view. And I think Argyle fans would be more accepting of Michael Cooper making a mistake than Matt Macy making a mistake. You know, with Macy coming from Arsenal, there's that expectation that he should be better than yeah. perhaps what he and is. And that's the thing. I don't think Argyle's suddenly going to lose games by three more goals every match than they mm. were when Macy was playing at the start of the season. I, you know, yes, the keeper obviously ha- has a big role to play when the opposition are attacking, but the defence also plays a part. And if Cooper is verbally good in the box and command his area, for me, then you've got to give him a chance at some mm. point because why... Why, if you're a young keeper, not getting into the Argyle first team, would you rather not get into Brighton's first team and be on the bench there? You know, what are Argyle going to have to try and keep yeah. him if other clubs 
as we believe, are, are scouting him quite often because he's you know highly rated for mm. progress in the future. And if he's not playing central league games, is you know there is a concern about yeah. his development. Really. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I'll just mention while we're talking about defenders as well, it's worth mentioning that Ryan Edwards as well, obviously with his cancer diagnosis last year, he's clearly improved as this year's gone on. I think he admitted he was still struggling. He got a, a chest infection earlier in the season, and he looks back to some of his best football at the moment. So again, our goal won't have that problem at the start yeah. of next season so I think that'll help as well yeah good for him as well very much so. um, Oscar Threlkeld he's, he's quite a bizarre one really he's so key for our goal last year came back in January and we've barely seen him but yeah. he came on on Sassley up at Bradford and uh, got a few minutes under his belt how did he look? it's weird actually he came so obviously he re-signed for our goal last month Chris went up to speak to Derek Adams and Derek Adams made it very clear we signed him as a midfielder not as a right back he finally comes on and where does he play? At right back. Right back. <laughs> um, the reason for that is, is what Derek Adams said after the game is Joe Riley had an injection in the week and even though he was on the bench he didn't feel he was fit enough to play so he decided to play Oscar Freilkeld on for Ashley Smith-Brown who had a poor game on Saturday. He, he sort of, The rings were run around him and he got booked and I, I think he's on nine yellow cards this season now maybe eight but I think nine so he's getting very close to the, the two game ban either way. Um, and obviously he's playing at right back even though he's a left back but he said in an interview which I'm typing up at the moment Ashley Smith-Brown that he's two-footed so he can play there and he has actually been better since moving to right back but yeah he brought on Oscar Freilkeld and he looked like he'd never been away really he looked a much more attacking threat than Ashley Smith-Brown actually um, sent in a few good crosses towards uh, Ladapo and Ryan Taylor who had come on also by that point um, and he I, Ashley Smith-Brown used to be a winger as well so he does have that attacking aspect to his game but I thought Frelka came on and made quite a positive difference as well as the defensive work mm. um, but then he played in the Central League game on what day are we on now on Tuesday, Tuesday. <laughs> on Tuesday he played in the Central League and he played in midfield and he, he, he was a bit invisible really but you know he's, he's a good option to have and I I'm glad he's not been playing in some ways because it means Argyle have been on a good run and for me, yes, we know the, the quality that Freyko had had but he's had eight months, seven months, six months of not playing football and what message does it send out to the players that are on a good run if you just bring someone in and drop someone straight away so I think it's quite right that he's not played perhaps as much as some would have wanted so far. Yeah, you mentioned the good run there. Uh, one defeat from the last nine League One matches now for Argyle. He's certainly got some consistency consistency what do you put that down to just the back four being more settled or yeah I think that's part of it because I think Argyle have had a quite a good attacking threat from various players as the season's gone on you know um, I think it was Ladapo's good goal scoring record came in October so they had that sort of already happening it was sort of the defence that was letting them down and Argyle were exceeding two or three goals and that means you have to score three or four to, to, to get a win and that just wasn't happening so I think the defence is a big part of that Carl Leverin commands his box much better um, again, as I've said on this podcast, I've been quite critical of Macy not commanding it because we could always hear Luke McCormick shouting. You know, when, when the atmosphere wasn't particularly loud at certain points in the game, you could always hear Luke McCormick constantly shouting at his defenders, and you couldn't hear. You know, it's sort of like tumbleweed um, when Matt Macy was playing. And you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does shout, but not loud enough. I don't know. I'm not on the pitch. I can only hear certain things. But it was interesting that in the Central League game on Tuesday, there was a point in the game where uh, Scott Wooten turned around and shouted. At Matt Macy to, to be more vocal because he doesn't know what's going on mm. and it's interesting that's even happened in the Central League match and I don't know how you get that out of someone you know maybe people aren't naturally as confident to do that but you have to be to be a goalkeeper well, you, you have to start somewhere don't you if, yeah. if he wants to have a career in the game and it's 
obviously such a key part not, for a goalkeeper. He's not young anymore. He's 24. No, exactly. Which I, I get, you know, you can still have 14 years as a goalkeeper. Uh, so yeah. he's relatively young in some ways, but he's but not by 24, Exactly. He's, by 24, he should be more vocal than, than yeah, perhaps Yeah, so Carl Levin coming in, commanding his box has been great. He's also made some good saves. I spoke to him after the game against Bradford. And actually, the first time I've spoken to him, because obviously Chris Norman does that job. Um, but he came across really well. He said he's been written off throughout his whole career. He's been a backup goalkeeper most of his career. Um, so it's quite nice to hear that from him. And he was, like I said earlier, talking about the relationship. But I think Edwards and Canavan also have played a big part. They're complementing each other more and more each game. I think they're understanding each other more and more. And I, I, see, I can see that trio staying there. And Gary Soy coming back in as well. Let's not forget, he was injured for a fair part of before Christmas. He's come back. He's the captain. He organises defence well. He's experienced. So I think those, for, those four have been a good combination. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I say, we've got a Facebook page now um, for the podcast, uh, the Argyle Chat podcast. So uh, if you don't follow us yet, then please do so. Um, Dave Searle sent us a question. Do you think Argyle should play Taylor more in certain games for his ability to win the ball in the air and link up play? Against Pompey, for example, too many long balls played up to Freddie, which didn't stick, and the same at Bradford. Is it time to possibly give Ryan Taylor a start in the lone striker role? It's an interesting question. It'd be hard I to drop Freddie with his goal scoring record this that's season. That's true, but he's it? not scored in about 10 games or something now. Mm. He's, 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 you know, we mentioned this in January when someone put in a £400,000 bid for Adipo. He's had one good month, really, one and a half good months. And yeah, he, like, they were very good months, and he's, and he's scored a lot of goals. But apart from that, his, his, his record hasn't been great in front of goal. That being said, I think it's very harsh to change a team that's doing well, and Derek doesn't do that very often. So mm. I don't see Ladipo being replaced by Taylor anytime soon. Uh, he does contribute still Ladipo. He's not scoring as much at the moment. It'll be interesting to see how he does against Rochdale. Argyle have had some tough fixtures of late, you know, Portsmouth, um, Peterborough. I try not to whack the table too much <laughs> if anyone just heard that. Um, so there's been some tough games with some very good defences in, in recent times. So it'll be interesting to see how they do against Rochdale and if Ladipo can get one goal. Because if he gets one, he may well go on to score more goals. Against Bradford, yeah, they did play a lot of long balls. That was because the pitch wasn't particularly good, which surprised me, actually. I mean only because you expect a stadium yeah. like Valley Parade to have a good pitch which isn't always well, the it's case it's like Blackpool as well they're yeah. the same aren't they it's yeah and you, you know the likes of Ruben Lemiris Graham Carey even David Fox who's the sort of the anchor man that can pick out a good pass and he couldn't play the ball along the ground particularly mm. well so yeah there was a lot of lumping but that was more the, the surroundings rather than the deliberate tactic um, I asked Derek after the game he took, he took off Lemiris very early on because he, he just wasn't in the game because he couldn't play some of his passing and play some of the game that he normally plays and I said to Derek after the game against Bradford, if you knew the pitch was like this, did you contemplate playing some of the more physical players rather than the flair players that you said did had no impact on the game as you expected? And his answer to me was no, because if I did that and we we lost, I would have been isolated yeah, for it. So, absolutely. Yeah. So he didn't he didn't do that. He felt to stick with the starting lineup, but yeah, Carey and Lemiris weren't particularly mm. in that game. So there are sometimes reasons why that type of football is being played. I don't think it would be that type of style against Rochdale at Home Park because the Home Park pitch is pretty good. So I don't see any changes. I hope that answers your question, Dave. Thanks very much. Well, for I was going to say, Ryan Taylor interests me because there's a familiar pattern in his career where he sort of he's at a League Two team, wins promotion, starts the next year in League One or has a year or two in League One and then ends up back in League Two and almost goes through that whole yeah. cycle again. Are we at that stage, you think, with Ryan Taylor where Argyle have sort of evolved as a team and he's perhaps not featuring in Derek Adams' plans so much. He wants to play a different style of football. You are right. You have players like that. You had was Glenn Murray as well, wasn't he, from the yeah. Championship to the Premier League. It was the same sort of pattern. So you have you almost have players that almost get to their level and that's it. But the 
problem with Ryan Taylor is he's injury prone. He suffered some yeah. very bad injuries. And I remember after one of his latest ankle injuries, I part of me was thinking maybe he won't come back from this one because he's had so many, you know, both ankles. Um, but I, I can't see him being in Argos team next year. If he's not playing first team football now, he's, he's, he's no, not, not a young chicken anymore, is he? Mm. Spring chicken anymore. So well, he's, 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 at that sim- he's at that similar position to where he was at Oxford, yeah. really, where he wasn't getting in their team. And, Came down to Argyll and obviously helped them out with League 2. And he's so. had a year of not playing. Will Derek has one in next year? Possibly not. I, I, I do rate him. I think he's good enough. But Ladapo has impressed this year. And if you're only playing one striker, that's the problem you've got. Yeah. You know, Derek Adams' tactics doesn't give much in a room of, of someone new coming in or someone that's on the periphery trying to get into that first team because there's only one striker spot. He comes on a few times. He's played two up front on a few occasions lately um, in, the twen- in the sort of 20 minutes left. That doesn't really work either. I think Taylor was alright when he came on against uh, Bradford, but it just doesn't seem to work particularly well. It doesn't, it doesn't warrant any more goals, which is sometimes why they bring two yeah. on because they're chasing a game, and that doesn't always that doesn't really work out too often. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him go. But I've said that about a number of players in the past. <laughs> That's still still here. Lionel Wainsworth <laughs> I didn't think would still be here now. Yeah. Jan Songo, I've, I've said last season I didn't think would still be here now, um, and he is, and he's he's had not had a bad season. So what do I know? No, indeed. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Dave, for the question. And as I say, please send us any questions that you do have for the podcast. It's uh, always good to hear from our listeners. Um, change in the boardroom as well. Joe Kuborn has resigned and Paul Byrne has joined as a director. Any any thoughts on that one, Jack? Well, I don't really know too much about that side of things. All I know is that Byrne is well known to people at Home Park. He's um, He works for, as a finance and operations director at Ginsters, who obviously have a good relationship with Argyle and, and, the, and the Football League, funnily enough. And he's also a director for the Argyle Community Trust. So there's plenty of, uh, plenty of links there. Um, He's got a master's degree in business administration and management from the University of Manchester. So he's been with Ginsters for three and a half years. So that's the information that they put out there. I know no more than that. Um, and it also coincided with, with the announcement that Kabon Kubon, I don't know how you say that, has, has, has tendered her resignation saying she was unable to give the role of time she felt it needed. Now, I've never reached the lofty heights of being a director, but <laughs> I, I, don't know, I, I find that a bit odd. I don't, I don't know how you could not know how much time would be needed. I would have thought that would have been very clear in the process. You know, yeah. David Brent... Uh, James Brent, I've done what you did, David <laughs> Brent, James Brent, um, was, was very clear that he wanted some female directors on board and he went through a very stringent process to try and get the right people in. So I find it a bit odd that they wouldn't have known what, how much yeah. time was needed. But then maybe once you agree to it and maybe you actually realise it's not manageable, she was here for less than a year, I don't really know how much behind the scenes she contributed yeah. whether it was a worthwhile appointment. But from, from what I can see, Byrne knows the club well, he goes to home and away games and Sounds like it'll be a good appointment. It's it's interesting because there has been some interesting debate on on the Argyle chat forums and what have you about the changes in the boardroom, and I do wonder sometimes if James Brent had such an emphasis on making sure there was that equal rights with women coming onto the boardroom and thing, things like that, where he did perhaps overlook the need to have people with proper skills, and maybe this Paul Byrne is more, you know, what Argyle need as opposed to. Joe I mean, I don't know. I'm only speculating. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, well, like we said, what's come on the website is that she chose to resign. It wasn't a case of them wanting a change. And also, let's yeah. not forget that Simon Hallett's now taken over as chairman. Maybe he wanted things to go in a different direction. Yeah, true. Than James Brent. I, I don't know the answer to that. But she, she's got. She's Joe Kubon has a lot of uh, you know a good CV. She's had a lot of high-profile jobs. So I'm sure that she, you know she was more qualified for the role that she had. But sometimes maybe people take on jobs and don't realise how much work it will involve. 
But then you also know clubs put out these types of things where maybe something has happened behind the scenes or maybe she just didn't enjoy it as much as she, she thought she would, but she's not going to come out and say that. Who knows? That's all speculation. Yeah. But Argyle have appointed someone new. I, I don't know whether he was an appointment because she left or they were looking to get someone new anyway. They've still got nine directors and also they've got James Brent's daughter as well. She's, she was um, appointed a, a few months ago. Um, but I don't think it'll make much difference to the, to the playing team anyway. Well, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. Um, joined by Jack Ball. Jack, you were at Home Park on Tuesday afternoon uh, to watch Argyle's 1-0 one win, one win over Exeter City in the Central League. How was that game for you? It wasn't the greatest <laughs> game, games, to be honest, which is a bit of a shame when I saw the starting lineups, I thought, you know, there could be something in this. Well, we were talking about it earlier, weren't we? And it, looking at the team sheets, it looked like a proper reserve game. I know both managers have sort of had their reservations about the Central League this year with other teams playing under 18 sides so um, at least they both got probably what they wanted from that I don't really get why you wouldn't want to play some of the players that aren't featuring the first yeah. team is, is, you know, if everyone did that then it would be a bit more competitive um, but Argo are doing well they've won before the game they've won five and drawn one of their six games so now they've won six and drawn one of their seven games I think the top of the table um, but it was a game that really lacked quality in all honesty I, there were glimpses I found myself nothing much to write about when you're doing a live blog that's not always the best although I did a breakout on the, on the try list which yeah. we'll talk about in a minute um, for both teams when they did have some of the attacking pressure I've got to say Exeter probably had more attacking play than Argyle but there was no end product and I think that was the case with both teams on the whole although Alex Fletcher did get a goal and um, the, the post was hit late with a free kick from um, from one of the Argyle players who, who I can't remember which player it was now but <laughs> <laughs> someone hit the post late on <laughs> Those were the only two real chances. Neither keep had much to do. Um, it was, it yeah, was a bit of a one of those sort of games. Really. Okay, well let's talk about the try list then. Um, we believe it's Paul Anderson who was at Mansfield. Ninety nine point nine percent sure it is him. Uh, it's quite funny because the clubs clearly don't want you to know, but in this day and age with Twitter and fans, they it's always going to come out at some point. Um, Paul Anderson. So, so firstly, I'll explain to the people that are listening how I tried to find out who it was because the club didn't <laughs> tell me anything. Um, so as people know the journalists now sit at the barn park and right at the very back and that's where your laptop set up so I, so I left it for, there's not much happening in the first half in the first 10-15 minutes so I ran down and sat right at the front to try and hear what names they were shouting out although I was thinking in my head that maybe they're giving them a code name like chicken or something so that, <laughs> that you wouldn't be able to work out but they were shouting Paul at him um, and yeah Paul Anderson is, is, is who I believe it is that's what someone mentioned on Twitter to me in a, in a tweet that I put out I got his picture up on my phone and was trying to and funny enough, every time I went back to my seat at the top, I was sat with Mike Sampson, who, uh, who covers games as well. And every time I got back to the top, he would come to where I was sat, I'd go back down, and he would run off again. So I, <laughs> I never got that close. I'm pretty sure it's him. He's friends with uh, Luke Jeffcott on Twitter, and Luke Jeffcott's not exactly the most travel player, so I wonder why that is. And he also, I, I looked last night, he also liked a tweet from Nagar fan who, who commented that he had done well to set up Alex Fletcher's goal. And he, now, I looked again this morning, that he's no longer like, like that tweet, so we've been told to not do that, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But 99.9% sure it's him. Um, and you have to use all you can. And yeah, looking at people's likes on Twitter is a good way to try and find that out sometimes. Absolutely. Well, it's great detective work anyway. Um, did he stand out for you? <sighs> no one really stood out to me. If I'm totally honest in the Argo game, maybe Lloyd-Jones defensively. Uh, but it wasn't the best of games, and it's a hard game to judge someone in. So I don't know what really Derek Adams who was watching can take take from a game like that really he set up the goal he showed a few tricks and flicks every now and again um, but he didn't stand out particularly because no one did so it was, it was one of those games 
he's not played a first team fixture for nine months. Um, he gave an interview, funnily enough, um, after leaving Mansfield because he wasn't fancied by manager David Flitcroft, and this is what he had to sell to read it out. He said, It is what it is. Football is football, and business is business. The manager has his own agenda, the club are doing well, and I have to sit there. Unfortunately, I was one of the few that was collateral for it to be successful, really. There's a problem, a little bit of bitterness, because at the end of the day, I've worked so hard all my life. I've had 12 years as a professional footballer where I've never been questioned. I've given my absolute everything to every single team I've played for any time I've been given the opportunity to wear a shirt. Um, then he goes on to say his last professional game was nine months ago and being out of the games killed him. I'm desperate to get out on the pitch and prove people wrong. It's just a shame that other people within football can have the control over your career. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, I'll be back on the pitch, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So he's looking to get back into football. Um, he's had some good spells elsewhere previously to Mansfield. It's hard to say whether it would be a good signing for Argo, whether it would just be until the end of the season. Yeah. But like Paul Payton last year came in just for a few months to do a job. Joel Grant's out for the season with an injury. Um, so, yeah, I think watch his space. Though. He'll probably be on trial for a little bit longer yet. Yeah, I think so. It, I mean, with Mansfield as well, it's interesting. So obviously they've, they've got a massive budget in in League Two, of course. So it might just be one of those where, you know, David Flickroft's brought new people in, just doesn't fancy him, but he's more than good enough. I know there's bound to be Argyle fans out there that are thinking, oh, why are we signing players from League Two? But it's not to say that he's he's not good enough. I think sometimes you can sign players that are big names and they don't particularly do well. I mean, look at Bradford. Their team's full of some big name players. Yeah. Look at David Gould, he's always a prime example, isn't he, really? For yeah, but look at Berry last year. They had some really good names and they yeah. went down look at MK Dons last year they had some good names big names don't always equate success and you know look at Portsmouth have been on an awful run since signing some like Omar Bogle they, yeah. the players that they've got they shouldn't be not winning in five six games in, in League One seven games seven in League in One now, yeah. so big names don't always equate success and I think sometimes you just have to sign someone that fits a role for a particular period of time yeah. I think that's what our Derek Adams is looking to do he might sign him on an 18 month deal who knows he might which I suspect if he does offer him a contract, it might be to the end of the season, they'll weigh up things then. Maybe Derek Hamilton then go out and bring someone better in. Maybe he'll prove that he's worth a new deal. So that's what I'd expect, especially since he's been out for nine months with an injury. I wouldn't imagine that Derek Hamilton would offer him a too long a deal. No. But maybe this could be a situation where a short-term deal suits both parties. Yeah. You're reporting on that game, as you have all season, at Argyle from the Barn Park end. And we've got a question from our former colleague Baron Cross so hello Baron if you're, if you're listening to this one I'm surprised he has time to ask questions all the well, weird say, news that come out of Leeds yeah, yeah Bielsa um, anyway Baron's asking how have you found reporting from Home Park in the Barn Park end this season I would imagine you've gotten used to everything by now but is it a strange vantage point to report from and what have the makeshift facilities been like? It's quite interesting, actually, because I know Chris has said about the... Um, there's TVs for you all there, isn't there? And there's like a, about a four-second delay, I think it is, or six-second delay. Yeah, that's right. So if you miss anything at the other end, you can just watch the TV and, and see what happened. That's the thing. If, if you're trying to see what's going on at the other end, it's almost impossible. When you're live blogging, you don't really have 10 seconds. You know, and I feel for the people that do the radio as well, because yeah. they're speaking live, and they don't really have 10 seconds to wait to see what's happened. And it is, it is tough, but... It's unavoidable, really. Argyle have done really well, actually, with the facilities that they've provided for us. And if we have the same facilities in the new stand as we do now, fantastic. That'd be a perfect scenario. You you go to a lot of away games and the benches are cramped. There's not enough space. There's barely enough space for your laptop, let alone for a notepad or the team sheet or anything else you might want. You're trying to type and your elbows are going into other people. And if there's anyone on the plus size, they're taking up half your seat as well and it's even harder. So, you know, there are so many really cramped press boxes at away grounds and Argyle's 
in the grandstand before wasn't the best, you know, cobwebs everywhere, wires, wires hanging everywhere. from all sorts. Yeah. And I remember Simon Hallett couldn't believe what Argo were putting up, people that were writing about the club, what they had to deal with. It, it wasn't great. But now, yeah, it's, you get used to the view. It is a bit odd. Um, and when there's a big crowd, you're right in amongst it, you know, when... Um, Portsmouth. Portsmouth were there yeah. Sunderland were there you know, you've got, you, Rovers to you've got people well. leaning over you shouting and swearing and all this and it, I tell you what they act as a good windbreak I'll give, I'll give you that if it's a cold day <laughs> when they all go at half time you notice the cold But so it can be quite tough at times and the stewards can sometimes stand in the way I know a few people have had to ask the stewards to move because they literally stood right in your way so you can't see so it, it can be a bit problematic but in the circumstances Argo have done so well to give you a TV one in every three seats have that delay um, and apologies the guy that sets all that up um, was listening I can't remember his name now but he does a great job and he, he, he does try and do yeah. all he can for Argo and it, we're making the best out of a, a, a situation that's, that's been enforced on us but, yeah, but Argo have done all they can for us and actually like I said if we've got these facilities back in the new stand when it opens then, then great great yeah. stuff Did you have the feed for the reserve game or? <laughs> no no, <laughs> no TVs one. for the reserve game but <laughs> to be honest there wasn't much goal actually to important <coughs> no, anyway so it made well, a difference it probably ended up 5 all. <laughs> not, not that Jack would know um, <laughs> Rochdale up next and Jack on Saturday. Uh, a good chance for Argyle to move further away from the bottom four. And again, it's like the Bradford game, isn't it? Taking points off your rivals, which yeah. is so vital. I touched on this earlier on. I think if Argyle get a win against Rochdale, it will make the draw against Bradford okay. I think if Argyle draw or lose against Rochdale, that makes the last two games a poor showing, in my view. Because, like I said, you've come off the back of four points from two teams going from promotion. If you only get two or one point from then two teams that battle of relegation, that's, that sort of undoes the hard work, in my view. Rochdale yeah. are on a great run. I think former Pilgrim for Keith, Keith Hill, Hill does yeah. a very good job at Rochdale. I think they've got some, a lack of finance as well. Um, they're they're under more pressure as well, having lost to Wimbledon, as we say, on, yeah. on Tuesday night. Yeah, they so. Play, so they're, they're going to be a bit more tired than Argyle, so hopefully Argyle can use that to their advantage. Argyle have lost only one in, in nine, as, we, as, as we've mentioned. They're at home, they can play some good football on that pitch. Um, and you kind of feel I know you said this to me last week you feel Argo needs to get points from these games yeah. with the run of fixtures they have coming up and it, you're right what you said earlier on about taking points off your rivals if you can make it a seven point gap or an eight mm. point gap rather than a three four point gap then, then that's aiding your cause isn't it you, all, you have, all Argo have to do this season is have four teams that are worse than them to stay up and then we can all move on to next season um, and yeah, Rochdale have to be one of the teams that Argyle are trying to finish above this season. They're one of the weaker squads, no to suspect, in this league. That's a fact. Um, and Argyle needs to try and pick up a win. And I think, especially in front of the fans, there's a good chance with Sunderland and Luton games coming up as well. It's really important for me that Argyle get the three points because I think if they don't, you know, we could possibly be looking in a few weeks time that Argyle are dragged even further into that mix again and we don't want that. Yeah. One final question then, uh, and it's from another listener, Stephen Bryan. What are the chances of keeping Ruben Ramirez and Graham Carey this year, or at least getting them on a new contract? The club are very coy with contracts and lengths. Is there an extension, uh, an option rather, to extend both? Yeah, you're quite right. The club really didn't reveal anything to do with contract news, which I find quite frustrating. I don't really know why Derek Adams doesn't like to reveal contract lengths because anyone in the game agents will be able to find yeah. out. And to me, the only, as well, to me, the only people they're not informing are the fans, and I think they deserve to know. If they're paying to get shirts and people's names on the back of their shirts, I don't think it's unreasonable for them to want to know how long they're down to play for. That's my view. Derek Adams has got a different view. He doesn't like to reveal it. That's his prerogative. He can do that. I don't necessarily agree. I'll, I'll speak to Derek tomorrow. I'll ask him about Ruben, because I think fans deserve to know whether they've offered him a contract. He's arguably our best player this season. Um, 
Derek did say in an interview with Chris a few weeks ago that the finances aren't there at the moment to offer a new deal, but I find it hard to believe that you're going to wait until the summer to try and tie down your best player or one of your best players. I believe Ruben and Graham are both out of contract this summer. To lose them both would be a big loss. Um, Graham's not been as great this year, but over his period at Argyle, he's been a fantastic servant for the club, closing in on, I think, the top 25 goal scorers of all time for Argyle. Ruben's shown this season what he can do. For me, it gets to a point now where if Argyle wants to push on and you can talk about the grandstand, you can talk about how having this ambition, how you want to progress, but Argyle aren't going to be spending hundreds of thousands of pounds in the transfer market, we know that. But they've got to start, in my view, trying to compete a bit more with contracts. You've got to try and tie people down more long term. You've got to offer them a bit more money. And, you know, I'm imagining, I don't know, but I imagine Ruben Lemiris' contract is he's going to be paid nowhere near as much as Graham Carey's on. And quite rightly, he could go to Argyle and say, well... I've scored four times more goals than him this yeah. season. I want to be on at least as much as Graham's on. And that's and the danger. Because, well, exactly, because we know that Graham was obviously given a fairly decent contract a couple of years ago when there was much speculation about what he was going to do. And, of course, Sheffield United were being linked with him and, and teams like that. So it's hard to imagine Argyle can give that sort of contract but, to both Carey and, and Lemiris. And you're right, and I'm not in charge of finances. You know, we, all, we can't always go back to administration, but... I know that James Brent and Simon Haller don't want to offer money which they can't sustain. Yeah. Um, but after losing Sonny Bradley last year on a free transfer because we couldn't compete with the wages being offered elsewhere, to lose your star player or one of your star players again this summer, I think it is a bit of pill to swallow. And I think Argyle fans deserve, in my view, to know a bit more than what they're told. You know, I watch fan forums and Simon Hallett um, and Michael Dunford always use the word transparent but I don't think the club are particularly transparent with certain things and that, again that's their prerogative but I don't, if they want to be transparent I think the contract lengths I'm not saying the details of a contract but the contract lengths I think the fans have a right to know how long some of their favourite players are under contract for because like I said anyone that's interested in them signing them will be able to find out and we'll be yeah. already speaking to them if they, if they want to Absolutely Right, well, that's all we've got time for. Jack, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. Uh, Just to let you know, we're hoping to have some very exciting guests in the near future. Uh, Two men that haven't appeared on the podcast before, I'll add, just to tease that one a little bit more. Yeah, it should be good if it happens. Absolutely, it will. Um, So hopefully we can bring you some news on that in the coming days. Um, Until next week, that's all we have time for. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.